Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. and there will be no encore welcome to episode 171 of the no encore music podcast back in your feeds yeah that's how it goes i'm here with craig fitzpatrick uh david fancy seeing you here hey. in this studio at this uh, time of course uh, joined as ever by colin morrigan what's up man how are you yeah not too bad i, I mean like it's that weird thing where like you think after all these episodes that we've done together for three years never like perfect attendance record as well that like you like, yes. you, you, you worry <laughs> you worry about getting stuck in a rut <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i mean like anyone, it just works it's not every week fresh, week yeah. in week out yeah, I mean, unchanging. I mean, remember that time that we thought about getting like a fourth person in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. was. What were we thinking? Yeah, that know. could never have worked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, thankfully, like, we, we we stuck with her to our guns. Indeed, yeah. So there's no likely candidates. There was no one that gets the show that could actually step up to the plate. You don't have the chemistry. Maybe with... carry a show by themselves. No, it just no. wouldn't have worked. Yeah, and also like has connections to the music world as well. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's good at production. But no, I think it's really good that the show has remained completely unchanged over the course of the last uh, few years. So uh, I went to Taken Back Sunday. <laughs> oh wow. Of course, like, of course you did. Well, where were they on? Whelan's downgraded. Whelan's <laughs> from, from where? The Tree Arena? <laughs> I don't think it was. Are they actually good? Uh, see, like, they, this is 2000- I lumped them in with terrible bands. It's 2004-2006 era yeah. Dave over here. So, I mean, if anyone doesn't know, Taking Back Sunday were a very popular emo band in the mid-2000s that are in fact still going. Uh, several lineup changes, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they were over here a while ago. I think they played Vicar Street. I don't know where the original gig was announced for. It was either Vicar Street or Olympia, I would imagine. But there was a, a change of venue to Whelan's. I wasn't going to go. Like I was off the weekend. I was enjoying my time off. And then uh, a friend got in touch. And she was like, let's go. Let's relive our youth. <laughs> and I looked up the set list. and Because it's their 20th year anniversary. Yeah. How many songs do you think they played? <sighs> 21. 20. They played... Should have uh, done 21. They played the, the debut future. album in full. <laughs> and then played 10 other hits, including the great Make Damn Sure. Oh, is, I do know that yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was like my song my song of the summer, 2006 or whatever really? it was. Okay. Yeah, so what's the crowd like at one of these shows? Older people trying to be young, including me. 
in uh, what sense were they trying to be just by being there or were they well, dressing like it was there. 2006 stuff yeah the first people in cryogenic <laughs> chambers down the back and shit I'm like. just imagining lots of fringe fringe work there's a bit of that yeah. some double lip rings going on uh, I was up in the balcony so I could see the crowd lots of people like starting mosh pits to look at they'd work in the morning that kind oh, of thing God. Um, so not great but could I mean you imagine that like it's bad enough going into school with a black eye after the weekend can you imagine going into a middle management job <laughs> like what happened to you oh man just you know the tunes were too rocking that's what <laughs> I literally took back Sunday so essentially I got there and it was the old, like, like a last minute kind of arrangement to go yeah. and I did the classic fucking hit up your mates thing get the guest list you know not paying 30 quid for this uh, 30 so, quid there you go see what <laughs> 20 quid surely it's 20 year anniversary <laughs> You know, oh twenty God, songs. Thirty quid to a wheeling show is outrageous. A lot. Outrageous. Goes so, to mini mansions recently. I think it was fifteen quid, and they're kind of a current. They're going. taking back <laughs> Sunday, you know I mean? Yeah. So got to the door. Ultimate first world problem. It happened. Not on the oh, guest list. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> Did you give it a bit of? Don't you know who I am? No, I gave it a bit of. Oh, okay. And I tried <laughs> to contact my friend who's on holiday, so I felt terrible about that. And I rang and just messaged, and then I was very much like, "Look, it's grand." I was like, "It's fine. It's no problem." Let's go back to the fucking pub or whatever. Because before it came out, it was really nice. I was chilling in my room, playing a video game that's really, really hard. Sekiro, that one that everyone is playing. It's really difficult. And then the heavens opened. It was insane biblical rain for the 10-minute walk to my bus. Just perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this this is appropriate. I'm destroyed by, by rain going to Taking Back Sunday. Uh, <laughs> got to the venue, not being let in. And I was like, it's fine. And I just kind of stood to the side. And I kind of you know was like, oh, such and such said it. And I don't think the other person's here. It's grand. Don't worry about it, man. And then the security guard said... Oh, what'd you say your name was? Dave Hanready, is it? Yeah, go on. And I went, oh, okay. And I guess he just... Picture this! No, but I guess... Five nights! No, no, no. I don't don't think it was a he recognized me thing. I think it was he remembered the name he just heard me say. Right. And just did the thing where he was like, this guy's clearly not a chance here. Fuck it. Yeah. So thanks very much. Yeah, thanks very much, security guard. I think he just took kindly on me and was like, Grant, yeah, go ahead. And I went there. Got up to the top of the balcony. Only one little kind of spot available. I gave it to my friend, of course, because I'm chivalrous. And then I'm kind of hovering in the background. I'm, 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 I'm like 5'9", so, you know, it's tough to see over people. Right. There was a couple standing right in front of us who were just fucking, like, the boyfriend was so insecure, man. He just kept grabbing her and pawing at her. I was fucking handing her like she was cattle the whole time. And I'm just like, I get it, mate. You're in love. Congratulations. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> gig itself was fine. I went downstairs at one stage and, like, went down the stairs and, like, some bloke kind of, like, motioned to me if I wanted to get through. And I was like, no, it's grand. I'm just kind of surveying. And then surveying. <laughs> <laughs> what an odd thing to say. <laughs> Hello, no, um, it's grand. I'm just surveying. <laughs> what a great answer. I did actually... With a clipboard. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and like a theodolite. He's <laughs> 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 gonna set it up over here. Um oh. and then he goes, okay, and then he hand he he then put forward his like beverage, which was like some mystery drink, and I'm like, No, I'm okay, man. Don't worry about it. I then when I went back upstairs I could see the very same person crowd surf past me at one stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. hit the deck I was like yeah there he is this is clearly like the best night out you at 16 never had I know this is I never saw Taken Back mm. Sunday This and like to be fair they got a lot of bangers Make Damn Sure is phenomenal and they got some other really good ones here and there and also some terrible songs they're very emo but here's the weird thing right Adam Lazara their front man who was known for like swinging the microphone didn't do any swinging I guess Whelan's you know mm-hmm. but also he's got a fairly kind of high pitched vocal about him you know very yeah. emo but dude this guy sounds like a fucking southern preacher from the 1800s. It's so strange. Like, he's like, I want to thank you all for coming out here tonight and hanging out with us on this incredible Sunday. I'm like, what the hell is going on? The cognitive dissonance of wow. this was out of control. Also, uh, I don't know if you know what the guy looks like, but like, he's looking like a bit more kind of like grungy rocker these days, like long hair and a beard. He looks precisely like if Owen McDermott decided to cosplay as either Seth Rollins or AJ Styles and couldn't <laughs> settle on it and just went as both. <laughs> it's really distracting. And I don't like fucking like ragging on someone's appearance. Yeah. But I was just really distracted by it as was also distracted by his weird vaudevillian uh, fucking stage play. He, s- he sounds like primed for an Aaron Lewis kind of like transition into like country patriot star. Maybe, Rebel kind of songs, thing. yeah. 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 I could see it. It's always a good way to go. The drummer, who was really fucking good, by the way, looked exactly like, you know, married accountant with two children, but this is what he does with his mates in his garage type situation. <laughs> Everyone was well, a little bit older. off these days. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was a little bit older. We've played bloody Whelan's. It's <laughs> <laughs> all it out as well. Yeah. A little bit wiser. Didn't charge 30 quid for it either. No. But uh, yeah, it, it was a nice trip down nostalgia lane. Also, they played 20 songs in the space of an hour. That's impressive. What? <laughs> I don't know how. It was a rip through that 
set. They fucking flew through. It's kind of like Rihanna style medleys at some stage, is it? Time <laughs> made fools of us all that night. <laughs> the guest list thing reminds me of, remember I had to cover Noel Gallagher about five years ago? It was yeah, probably more. More, I think. It was review, I was talked into reviewing him on like some Sunday night and it was the day that City beat Man United fucking God. 6-1. And I was like, Jesus Christ, he's just going to go on about it all night. Got to the door of the Olympia. Not on the list, mate. I was just like, it just wasn't happening. So I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going home. Left. Torrential rain, similar to you. I just got absolutely drowned. Walked to my bus stop, stood there for 15 minutes, getting more and more drenched. Got a call going, I'm so sorry, Craig. Do you want to come back? And I was like, sure. Just Charlie Brown walked back. (laughs) Arrived in just in time as he just went, aha, United fans, (laughs) aha. Worst time of my life. I also remember you saying to me that while you were having this kerfuffle at the desk, uh, Ed Power walked Oh yeah, yeah. Just powered right through. And they were like, (laughs) hey, Hey, Ed, what's going on? To be fair, I think years later justice was done. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he gets that kind of welcome anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually remember that day very vividly because I I was in my old band. I was in a practice space and I was trying to avoid the United City game all day so I wasn't checking my phone or nothing and I explicitly told Craig don't tell me the score I'm going to watch Match of the Day 2 later yeah. on tonight and at one stage Craig like just sent a message presumably out of pure rage uh, and said Johnny Evans is a cunt <laughs> and I figured like okay maybe he's been sent off it's a last minute on goal something some dramatic thing that pivoted at the very end that just snatched the game away from us and I went oh did, like what happened and then Craig wrote back you, no he said should I should I watch it like? <laughs> and then Craig wrote back block apples we lost six fucking one I remember, I remember that day I had a broken leg uh, oh my God. at the time and <laughs> a fateful day for all of us the yeah. Rugby World Cup final had been on that morning kick off at like 8am because what? it was in New Zealand and so Whoa. my friends like got tanked at breakfast time basically and so we're just overcome with this this incredible generosity and benevolence for the rest of the day where they looked after me because like you know obviously I wasn't going up and down to the bar for myself I couldn't carry a pint back to the table and so I was just waited upon for about 12 hours including through that United match as they got progressively more and more angry but still seemed to pity me (laughs) just like you know fuck's sake Colm do you need a pint (laughs) (laughs) that's just a regular Sunday for you coming up on today's show we'll be reviewing Bruce Springsteen's brand new album that's why Cullum is here in case of Bruce Springsteen album Break Glass <laughs> and uh, talking new songs for the likes of Taylor Swift and others and of course all the news in the world of music which we'll get to in just a moment real quick uh, you may have noticed an extra episode pop up in your feed this week that is the Jeremy Kennedy episode it's out now if for somehow you've managed to miss it Go back and check it out. It's my entire interview with Dermot Kennedy that I did for the feature that I wrote for Joe. Lots of nice feedback to that from everybody who checked it out, including yeah. Dermot Kennedy himself, which is very, very nice. Uh, you, you don't do it for for those kind of things, but it is nice when people say nice things. So cheers to everyone who read it and shared it and all that kind of jazz. I think it's a great interview because he was great. So I hope you enjoy it. Go back and check it out. As for the news this week, unfortunately, uh, really, really sad news as of Thursday morning. Uh, French DJ and producer Philippe Zdar has died after accidentally falling from a building in Paris, according to his agent. Uh, Craig, you know a lot about this guy. He's made some very big albums. He's worked with some huge names and he actually yeah. is a musician in his own right. Yeah, one part of uh, Cassius and just like a big part of, um, you know, French dance music over the last couple of decades, which is, you know, uh, the French have had a huge influence on what's happening in that scene over the years and he's played a big part and worked with some of... I guess this show's favourite artist um, was yeah. a producer on a lot of Phoenix albums. He kind of saved their debut album uh, way back in 2000 and he kind of came on board, uh, produced Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, which is a bit of a classic. And he was more the producer, I guess. He felt like a kind of an extra member of the band. He was hugely influential on crafting that amazing sound. Worked with the Beastie Boys, Kanye on Watch Throne, Cat Power. Um, worked with them all. And just from all the kind of tributes we're hearing today, just like had a real kind of joie de vivre and was fully, you know, in love with music, a really passionate guy that lived life to the full, fullest. And it's just really, really like one of those freak things. Um, if you're listening to this, he's got two records out today. Um, he produced Hot Chips' uh, latest album and Cassius have a new record. So just gearing up once again to kind of gift the world, you know, his, his passion and his creativity and uh, this just awful thing happens. Yeah, I think it was Laura Snape's today in The Guardian. Uh, very good piece. Very yeah. nice piece, yeah. Uh, because I can't say I knew an awful lot about Philippe Starr. As personally, I obviously knew a lot of his work, not least because, as Craig said, of his connection with Phoenix. Uh, even yeah. that uh, kind of a, a happy 
coincidence pretty much really he he lent the band their studio his studio and would kind of pop in and out and give suggestions as he and did were like, so yeah, and these they were all like, really good suggestions yeah, yeah they were like do you mind sticking around and doing this like um yeah obviously incredibly sad 52 years of age um they think uh not not a guy to to give that sort of personal information French, a lot it you know, seems yeah. but yeah um yeah a, a really really tragic loss and i know that this morning there was uh, a lot of people in the dance community uh, all over the world really who were um who were shocked by this because he played a huge part uh, not just in their lives but in a kind of a scene within yeah. paris and with french house in particular that uh you know has touched so many people yeah, tributes flying in from like, lots and lots of people, including Rostam, who were a big fan of on this show. Yeah, uh, so he was a huge inspiration, and I remember he described how that album ticker Wolf Amadeus Phoenix was just the perfectly put together thing from a producer's point of view. It managed to be this kind of huge adventure in 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 Sonics, but also was never too much. It was yeah. just kind of perfectly done, perfectly judged, and yeah, it is that thing of like I also was not terribly familiar with him myself, but. Just seeing all of the reports today and seeing the reaction, even just from people that I would follow on Twitter myself, uh, hugely respected figure and a really, really sorry uh, like story to happen. Yeah. Um, may he rest in peace. Yeah. In other news... Back to the usual guff. Yeah, <laughs> back to some fun and games, like, for example, Lyric Annotation site Genius, which I'm a huge fan of, Yeah, uh, has accused Google of lifting lyrics... In what sounds like the kind of court battle that will be represented by holograms or AI but, or something. But like, I don't get, like, Genius haven't written these songs. I know. Two tech like, companies arguing over intellectual property that is not their own, which yeah. is just classic at this stage, isn't so it? So hang on. So Google publishes lyrics directly in search pages. Yeah. And for example, like, there's like A to Z lyrics. There's a million different things. And also just like, if you search the lyrics to a song, it will, of course throw them up on Google because yeah. as like a preview or like a like a screenshot or something but Genius is saying that it lifted lyrics without permission yeah now the way the real genius of this I is how like this. they caught would they kind of say they caught uh, Google at it it was true carefully placed apostrophes apparently um, so the kind of genius watermark which they put in place around uh, 2016 makes it so apostrophes within lyrics alternate between straight and curly single quote marks in the same sequence for every song so basically it kind of forms this kind of crude Morse code thing which is easily detected I guess if people are lifting it and we're to the point the Morse code spells red hand yes it, 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 it's, it's lovely work by Genius if I thought there was any real sort of strength to their stance here I mean clearly there is some sort of legal basis here and they're talking about you know their licensing partnership yeah. with Canadian company Lyrics Fine and I must say I, I'd never actually given that thought before of like oh, oh yeah they're, they're actually technically publishing lyrics that aren't their own they must be giving royalties but who knows what that figure even is like maybe it's just some company that's finally cottoned on to the fact that journalists don't really get paid to write journalists are being paid to transcribe <laughs> their interviews that's what really is the bugbear of our lives here yeah and like I guess that, that opens up a whole really niche as fuck and not very interesting bugbear like imagine being at a party and explaining this like I don't know <laughs> yeah. we don't know where we're because we're, we're a music podcast so you know uh, sorry if you thought you were listening to a film podcast but no, we talk about music and those sometimes have to dig deep into uh, Excel spreadsheet style, uh, yeah. like grey matter. But like, to be honest, you'd think the main selling point of genius is the annotations Which as opposed fantastic. to the actual words. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you can get lyrics from countless different sites. Yeah, It's what they're saying about the lyrics that is what genius is all about, so... Uh, in other news, fake streams could be costing artists three hundred million a year. Uh, two months ago, Louis Posen, founder of the long-running California label Hopeless Records, noticed an aberration of his own in his company's streaming numbers. An aberration. aberration. Well done, Rolling Stone. A, a track was. Cr- Is this an aberration? Before? <laughs> Dost thou see this aberration? <laughs> <laughs> a track was cruising along, earning roughly 3,000 streams a day. Streams a day? <laughs> then all of a sudden it got 35,000 a day for three consecutive days. The, so, j- the jig was up. Yeah, basically this is the idea that, uh, you know, certain acts are suffering because others are paying for stream farms. I mean, Kabidan was talking about this a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, the um, stream farms in Japan where it's just like 30 seconds per play and... They have it mechanized so that it just goes round and round in circles, and clearly, obviously, funneling whatever money is there. Yeah, and uh, pose, to pose, undeserving people. Posen reckons it's costing like legitimate artists who just want people to actually listen to their music. Uh, it's costing them three hundred million dollars. 
per year. Yeah, it's a massive story. I, do you want to plug where you got it? I don't know. Uh, uh, Rolling Stone. But <laughs> the, 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 this line that kind of stands out here is uh, this guy, Bruce Hayden, who runs a music industry site called Hypebot, who says in streaming, there's a finite pot. So basically, there's only so much money that's ever going to go around, no matter how much people listen to a given song yeah. or a given music. This makes me think immediately, like, it's all well and good, maybe streaming companies giving out about these chancers, but the streaming companies are kind of the massive problem, aren't they, right? It's not just the few. Oh, yeah, like, and, and, and especially when you've got a kind of a big three record label deal where presumably they're paying a lot of sort of standard payments for rights to catalogs. Yeah, so not only do you have the kind of um, the bot firms, you have this manipulation where... It's essentially amounts to identity theft, where you have people bundling kind of leaked tracks, um, titling them under major artists and just going for it. like Taking some of Rihanna's Fenty money, as you say yourself, <laughs> Craig. The thing that jumped out at me, though, throughout all of this, was that there's a quote from someone called Amir Kishani, <coughs> who is the co-founder of media and strategy consultancy, Salt and Vinegar. <laughs> when did this happen? Like, like this, like, if you have an agency of any kind, it can't just be called, like, you know, media strategy consultancy agency, too. It has to be, like, like this Salt Vinegar yeah, or like know. if it fucking wasn't Sherbert Forest or like <laughs> I mean, listen, fruit I mean, and salad. I, th- I, mean, I think you can agree, Dave, that all of this carry on is far from avocados. <laughs> wow. Well, the fact that salt and vinegar is just like no, those two things go well together. Do you know what I mean? That's not how it's done, dude. You're supposed to pay. It's supposed to be salt and aubergines or something. <laughs> This Maybe is, salt on aubergines is good. I don't know. I don't eat aubergines. You've changed, man. I know. <laughs> Advertising Craig in the building. <laughs> Dublin City Council has proposed a nightmare. Nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> As part of the Dublin City Agreement. This story was reported by Nolan Nine. Our dear friend. Our good friend Nolan Nine. Dublin's new elected city council has proposed the Dublin City Agreement. 29 to 24, 24. A series of commitments to be reviewed twice yearly that cover city concerns like housing, environmental protection, climate action, transport, arts and culture, accessibility and waste, among other things. Uh, essentially, there's been talk of having some kind of person installed to uh, maintain and expand and create rights for people who want to go to clubs until 6 in the morning and DJs and electronic music scene, which, of course, is a huge part of, of Irish culture. Yeah. Uh, there are many subcultures involved and a lot of people are being disenfranchised as a result. Of course, we see the likes of the Tilly Theatre being torn down and, other, and Hangar going as well. This is a long-running thing. I went to the public meeting of Give Us the Night a few months ago uh, where you had people involved in that, like Sunil Sharp and Orkit, Talking about this and the nightmare was one of the things they come up with, and they were saying like, "Well, what should this title, if it, if it happens, be called? Like, should it be called the nightmare? Should no, it, it should, absolutely shouldn't. Because every time I hear it now, I just hear the nightmare. The nightmare. Do you know what else uh, was suggested? Go on, the night czar. Oh my I see, I god, can work that's with that. tremendous. That's fine. Yeah, big communist. I, I want, I want like night emperor or something. Um, <laughs> the king of the night. King of the, the night, night, the, the night, night, king. The night king. There you go. Yeah, there you are. Badass theme tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They've already got this in a number of cities across Europe: uh, Paris, Paris, Berlin, Amsterdam. Recently, London. Although I don't think that's really taking off as they wanted in London quite yet. No. I would have thought if it originated anywhere, it would have been London. Yeah, well, London have had to fight for it for an awful long time, and City Can, to be fair to him, has actually kind of seemingly made a bit of an effort to sort of um, move it along and, and to fight for a yeah. bit of the nightlife because I think it, I think their, a lot of their problem is rezoning uh, causing noise pollution issues with existing venues and stuff like that. Yeah, whereas our problem is just like smash everything and destroy the night. <laughs> um, it does make total sense though for a major city to have someone in charge of what is such a kind of big source of revenue and also in conflict with the other I guess concerns of during the day and night pollution and all that kind of stuff so yeah. you need a representative there that is looking at just that one area I think makes it sense. will be useful for the 3.7 million Brits over the age of 45 who go raving once a week <laughs> yes Dave, come to Dublin is, why don't you raving <laughs> What isn't raving? <laughs> Very good. It's more of a state of mind, I find, <laughs> in that I don't go to raves, but my head feels like a never-ending rave. <laughs> Actually, you moved off that last uh, story before I was ready because I wanted to, to bring up Mannix Flynn. He, oh, oh. he of terrifying election posters that never change uh, fashion. 
he was spearheading the campaign to basically shut down the Bernard Shaw's um, beer garden. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I guess would probably like result in the whole thing. And that like pizza bus outside, right? The big blue yeah. bus, yeah. Uh, which uh, I, Iconic. <laughs> some people have said it's iconic, yeah. And I guess like I interviewed Girlband on that bus. That's why it's iconic. And that's the only reason why I'm, I'm ha- I-, I would like for it not to be torn down. But I remember like Manic Flynn was quoted as basically like giving out about hipsters and like antisocial behavior and it's, like that kind of thing where it's just like, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of that location, but like that is the most old man in Shades of Cloud thing ever. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, in the city center, like, jeez. So hang on, what, what you're saying is we're not going to find him in one of these raves, or maybe we are. If he, Possibly, if, he if kind he of falls fits into the, the age percentile disc- yeah. bracket here. Yeah, um, this was a poll done by Eventbrite um, of 2,000 adults um, found that 2.6 million Brit- Britons over the age of 45 go clubbing at least once a week and 40% say they have more stamina than ravers half their age. I know, I could feel myself mid-sentence going into it, so no, I just no, I lean it. into it. <laughs> no, it's very like last story on Sky Sports News. <laughs> yeah. There was a previous study done by Curry's PC World, and I don't know why, that stated that um, 31 is the age where people start preferring to stay in over going out. We're just hitting that home now. And that by age 37, it is officially tragic for individuals to go out to a club. I think it depends on if you can pass for younger, which I obviously can, as we all know, thanks to my twice daily moisturizing routine. (laughs) Uh, Older clubbers have responded to this and said it's nonsense, gave a diverse set of reasons why their passion for clubbing to outlive their age one clubber said it's laughable that dance music belongs to just a certain age group anyone can enjoy it yeah like I feel almost raving is like it's more that age group than millennials are even slightly younger right doesn't it feel like that is it's something that originated with them when they were younger and they seem kind of actually in general more crack than there's also a group (laughs) called the Evergroovers led led by 59 year old former Kiss FM DJ Gordon Mack that continue to party (laughs) and channel their love for raving in their middle aged days 60% 60% of them said that, quote, nothing would stop them from raving. So, not Climate Emergency, nothing. not Manix Flynn, not The Nightmare, <laughs> The Night King, or anyone. It's I mean, like the, in the Middle Ages when the whole towns just caught that, like, dancing disease and they're like, oh, they're just in a fever for weeks and they all die. Although, at the same time, I think once you form a group, <coughs> it surely kind of takes the magic away, right? Like, once you've elected a treasurer, <laughs> it's really not raving anymore. So, it's really not raving. <laughs> Pearl Jam frontman Eddie Vedder, uh, he, don't know what his dance and raving is, but he is reunited with a Dutch fan that he first met almost 27 years ago. This story is just in here because I think it's quite nice. Yeah, <laughs> on, it's also a bit weird. Uh, wholesome corner. So Vedder was playing in Utrecht in 1992 and he met a fan after the show. They chatted in a cafe till 3am and she, in Irish terms, gave him a crosser back to his hotel, it seems. On a bicycle. Um, Yet never Freya doesn't know what crosser means. <laughs> to be fair, it was her brother's bicycle. Like Irish terms, and then the word crosser. It could be like the most weirdly religious ritual of all. Time. Oh right, no, yeah, yeah, a backy. Uh, what, what, what do you call it? Lift on the bike. Uh, yeah, a backer, on, I think. Backer? Yeah, backer. Yeah, lift yeah. on the bike. Backy sounds kind of like not not great. Fair no. enough. Let's move on. Uh, either way, Vetter retold his story at a gig uh, in Amsterdam, and while she yeah. wasn't there, she was alerted. Uh, to it by somebody she contacted somebody who interviewed her and made its way to Vetter and by the time he played in Brussels uh, just this week gone by at a solo show they finally met again yeah, it's quite heartwarming. Uh, apparently, to begin with, like at that initial show, she was only there to see the band support City Pig Unit, which is quite great. That's, that sounds like a band generator name, doesn't it? Yeah. Wobble <laughs> chair fluff, as Ono Sullivan <laughs> maintains, will be huge. Eddie Vedder, at the most recent gig, when he was kind of reminiscing about uh, Custer's, said, I remember her hair kept flinging against my face. I am almost certain that I would still recognise her face. It just feels very, like, wholesome, but also... Slightly creepy. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, you found your innocence ruined, Craig. The two reportedly discussed their families and shared memories of the evening. With Custer's remembering that she had offered to call Vetter a taxi, she had no money. Vetter said he wanted to give her the shirt back, and I made you write down your address in order to do so. I'm not sure if I still have it now, but I kept it for years. So yeah, might be more to this story than uh, meets the eye. Yeah, backstage when the two finally met again, uh, Vetter's told Custer's, "You still have the same smile," which is all, like I don't know. Maybe he's just a charming. I feel like man. that's something you say to someone that is like 
a bit the worse for you. And you're like, oh, you still have the same smile. He's not. You know what I mean? He's it's not like, Moby, right? <laughs> that I know fun. of. <laughs> yeah. uh, we discussed the Universal Vault fire <laughs> oh, la- yeah. last week. Did you read that article? I read the article. Yeah, it's quite long, isn't it? I didn't listen to the show. Okay. I've been trying to work my way... Well, th- you were on it. I've been, I've been trying to work my way through the backlog of, of uh, No Encores just while I was away for wedding and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're away for wedding, were you? Li- no, literally, Dave, right? I'm flying home from my honeymoon. Flying home it was. 30 Getting minutes, across. Thir- 30 minutes in, and Dave announces that he washed his feet in my in-law's sink, and I was just like, whoa, not ready for this, folks. Oh, yeah, I didn't tell you about that at the time. <laughs> I kind of forgot. I think we told you, you not to tell him about that. I mean, I don't see what the big problem is. It's quite literally a place to wash things, including like hands and feet. What's the difference? <laughs> Tell me, tell me right now what the difference is. Well, there's, there's no difference two- if you're able to walk on your hands and do so down the street. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know I can't? <laughs> right. Look, listen, I'm not proud of it, but it's not, it's not like I was like, it's not like I pissed in the sink. This is, okay, fair, that, fair. That would be bad. Yeah. I didn't do that. Didn't. I it, re- was, it was definitely the better of two evils. I mean, you were doing a kindness by cleaning your feet before you trampled across the entire house. The other, right? the other option was to keep my shoes on and that would just be bad etiquette. All right. So, in a way, I did you all a favour. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. In an update to the Universal Music uh, fire that happened, uh, we get to hear from our old friend, Sir Lucian Grange. Yay. Just like the only reason we're covering the story again, really. Oh, yeah. He sent a memo to the staff. He basically, the, the, Mr. Universal, essentially. Uh, Mr. Universe, <laughs> Lucian Grange, who's not a vampire, addressed the recent press reports and did it's a... a nightmare! <laughs> he it did a classic, like, it's all good, man. Uh, he said, even though the event happened more than a decade ago, and while I've been somewhat relieved by early reports from our team that many of the assertions and subsequent speculation are not accurate, one thing is clear. The loss of even a single piece of archive material is heartbreaking. And then he goes on to basically just say, like, it's weird because he tells his own experience of, of being a 17-year-old uh, couriering, couriering Boomtown Rats <laughs> masters and being told not to travel by subway with the recordings because they could be ruined by the magnetism. And all, oh, all the great music we would have lost then, <laughs> eh? What a shame. Uh, it was then I first realized how precious these items were and the care with which they needed to be treated. Again, this isn't doing nothing for me, like imagining that he, this man has been alive for 500 years because he's just like learning basic like you know, transportation. Like, you know. um, one small anecdote, but I know so many of you have your own individual stories. Talks a lot about art in the future. It's a classic CEO keynote speech, isn't it? Yeah, and especially given the fact that, you know, that article went very much in depth at how much all of their previous communication on this subject was bullshit. <laughs> it's been a dumpster It's part. difficult <laughs> to listen to this and think that it's anything otherwise, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. It's damage control, basically. Yeah. We've all had some of those emails, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, uh, Songs of the Week is coming up now. Uh, three tracks picked by our panel of experts, us. I'll go first. <laughs> It's Taylor Swift, and she's pivoting to gay rights. This song is called You Need to Calm Down. Must have taken all night. You just need to take several seats and then try to restore the peace and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate. Cause shade never made anybody less gay. So. Judging by the uh, kind of bass line that intros this tune, the throbbing kind of synth bass that's going on, she finally got around to that first Lord record and the song that Lord broke through with. I was thinking the knife heartbeats from the second. That's also in there. I was thinking Class Actress the weekend. Oh, that's a great tune, yeah. Yeah. Um, So um, Pitchfork murdered the song with Hot Knives. Yeah. I don't think it's horrendous but like it's I, an improvement I, on the lead thing i was having a conversation with someone in work who's a huge taylor swift stan and i was just like why you know like i get it but why i was like and she was kind of like well, why don't you like her and i was like well it's just because i don't like much like we've said in the show before i, I can't i can't buy into it I, I don't believe her i don't think she has conviction she's like a, a, a pop star created in a lab yeah i have no problem with manufacturing music but i don't know who she is i think if for example you got her for like an error and someone was like she'll do one interview and it's like you got her for an error <laughs> tell us taylor what yeah, are you yeah, really? yeah, like, yeah, in a windowless room like, oh, i am the nightmare <laughs> some waterboarding involved if they were yeah like a phone book if they were like um you know you got an hour long interview you don't even get in the interview and it's like a podcast situation where it's kind of like this and it's kind of chill I don't think you would get no, you wouldn't. a Dermot Kennedy style thing where like they're just natural and chatting to you. Sure. I think everything would 
would be like uh, rehearsed and she didn't assist him too long on the script. Yeah, I think so for sure. And like, yeah. I mean, like, I often wonder if that's unfair, but I just find that like everything that she does. I can't help but be incredibly cynical about it. And this track in particular where I'm like, half me is like, well, I mean, like, you know, this is good that she's like being so upfront about gay rights and, and all that kind of stuff. But then I'm like, well, I just don't buy it. This feels like strategy. It feels like, well, yeah. no, During she's Pride an ally. Months, like, she, she showed up with fucking like uh, like the Stonewall Club or something like, you know, like, yeah. like, and it was just like, just happened to be in the neighborhood. Like, yeah. I don't During buy Pride, it. Like, yeah. Plus, it's to go from like reputation where it's like bad girl Taylor. And now the album's like lover and it's like good girl Taylor. And yeah. I'm just like, all of this is so fucking stage managed and but, I just don't where is she no like you're where is she where is she <laughs> you're, you're right on that she is like lurching where is she Joker is she's her? lurching across the spectrum quite a bit at this stage but I, I, I'm not sure that I'm all that cynical about it I think this is the sort of thing that Taylor Swift has always you know shown some sort of indication of her support towards for me and I'm not saying that I'm exactly you know crying my heart out for Taylor Swift at this stage but I think it does underline how difficult a situation that she finds herself in because I was trying to think back I reckon it's only about 18 months ago Mm -hmm. since the three of us were sitting here doing a story about how she was like an agent for the far right and a white supremacist because of the messages in her video for Look What You Made Me Do and more to the point people were saying like unless she explicitly states her political stances and where her support lies and stuff Oh, we don't know. She could be this person. This is obviously, you know, as clear an effort as possible to pitch her tent with the, you know, gay rights and women's rights agendas. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, well, that's not her battle to 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 be involved in. And it's like, I mean, talk about rock and a hard place. Like, what are you what are you meant to do in that regard? Yeah. Well, you know, Taylor Swift is a brand, and it feels very much like that discussion that's happening at the moment of brands just jumping on board the pride thing and being like, "This will be good for our, you know, brand," and like we can align our values with it and get some cachet. And it all seems very cynical. I mean, is there anything as well more annoying than the phrase "you need to calm down"? Well, that I just think, drives I th- me. I th- m- yes, but I think that's quite intentional here. <laughs> you need to come to. I them. believe. Really, do you think? I, she- I do. Yes, I do very much so. And also, it should be said that, like you know, people have taken issue with like the playful language and even the fact that, like you know, it's it, this forced it's sass. She's not sassy. She can't pull it off. Yeah, like. and it's bubblegum pop and stuff like that. But people are like, you know, it's like you know, it's really lightweight considering it's a serious issue. And it's like, listen, if Taylor Swift had gone into a writing room and had been like what rhymes with intersectionality. I think we'd have way bigger problems on our hands. I don't know. It just feels like kind of virtue pop with a mix of kind of like meme music where it's just like, the you know, the accompanying video has the whole... Um, friends with Katy Perry. Yeah, reunion yeah. with Katy Perry. And she had this quote where she's like, I hope this like inspires the rest of the world to put their differences aside. And like, can I be honest? All right. And I mentioned last time that I was on this show that like I have sort of taken a step back or a number of steps back in terms of my like. You were a cult- stan. In, no, but in terms of my <laughs> cultural consumption since I've left No Encore. Right? What a like, Daniel Bryan over here. No, like, as in- sustainable world champion. <laughs> I don't listen to as much music as I used to. Yeah. I don't read up on as much of what's going on and so on and so forth basically what I was going to say is have you watched that Taylor Swift video no I deliberately didn't watch it Craig yeah I did it for the pod okay of the the (laughs) 35 40 cameo appearances how many people did you recognise I was sat there going don't know him no there's a lot of drag race people don't know her don't know her yeah I know I recognise some of them I recognise the guys from Queer Eye yes uh, Ellen the Generous uh, Ryan Reynolds for some reason yeah, and th- then there was just Laverne Cox, and then there was just a load of people that I was like, ah. Oh, that's okay. Mates. That's called, that's called I'm 30 now. Yeah, <laughs> like, clearly. And I don't run a music show anymore. Yeah. That's all right, man. Don't worry about it. Like, There's know. lots of things happening. That don't let my wedding band smack the table on the way out. Oh, yeah, there it is. But <laughs> I, I don't know if she was always this cynical. Like, I feel I was never a huge fan of the likes of Red or even uh, 1989, actually, I quite like. But those songs felt like they had a streak of sincerity and she was kind of putting a lot out there. It feels this like is especially on this new stuff and yeah. the last record, there's this whole persona she's adopting or... Well, yeah, but you see, I think the problem now is that there's so much previous to 
use as a comparative base. Yeah. See, as in, like, yeah, you, you were able to give her the benefit of the doubt by album three because you were like, maybe this is the real person. Yeah. By album six, when you've seen five previous iterations, you're like, we know this isn't the real Sorry, person. Is this like you just don't know which are one you, is. Yeah. Is this the Kanye coefficient for Taylor Swift? <laughs> I mean, there is certainly a level of this. Like, that Pitchfork review absolutely was, was a moment where it was just like, we're the knives were, yeah, the knives were out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really still was, talking yeah. about snakes. Snakes and stones. Yeah. Like, just let it go. I, a part of me will feel sorry for her, but also part of me is like, well, look, you know, it's 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 you're so far gone, and it's not fair. That She'll the, be fine. She'll be fine. The demands that are placed upon superstars aren't fair. Yeah, like someone's political allegiances or whatever the fuck don't need to be public. But obviously, <coughs> once you hit this apex and you become this thing, yeah, like this commodity to the world, it's obviously a very difficult place to be. For me, it comes back to the music, and this is perfectly fine. But also, like everything else, I'm hearing, and it's a bit of a theme this week with but songs of the week. And with that in mind, there's only one only one person to go to, and he's back with a two pack. He's celebrating the Raptors. With songs that I think have nothing to do with the Raptors, it's Drake. Mom ties, so I'm always good where I'm at. Word the Junior, Jazzy, Baby J. Tell him when I die, put my money in a crack. Couple figures, kill a skull and collect. She fuck a nigga, then she on to the next. Really living large, she ain't all with a Mac. When you niggas thinking small in the mall with a rat. Roll with us if you really wanna get it. Go get a half a million in a sprinter. Phone ringing, bitches know a big tipple. I got the hookup and there's really no limit. Dead broke is in you nigga DNA Ricky Smiley syndicated with the yay Little nigga just another state case Very mind motherfucker chase bank time to I know to our American sports colleague Hey now, uh, yes, yeah, so this is the culmination of Drake's uh, NBA Finals experience, a multimedia. He embarrassed himself uh, time and time again. Yeah, uh, he really uh, fucking uh, did not even watch basketball. I, I, I mean, it was a multi-sensory uh, <laughs> experiment when you considered the massage he gave to the Raptors head coach Nick oh. Nurse For during anyone, the Eastern Concert Series. Okay, yeah, let's get some background. Let's strip this yeah, down. Yeah. For people who don't even watch the NBA, what, is, what has happened? So, the Toronto Raptors... <laughs> The NBA team based in Canada, the only one, won the NBA Finals last week. Drake is a global ambassador for the team. That's his official title. But he's basically the super fan. He is front row for every game when he was told that he shouldn't go to California for quote-unquote security reasons, which is definitely bullshit. They're just trying to make Drake look like a man who might be in security issues. Uh, he went to Jurassic Park, which is like their fan zone in Toronto, to watch the games. Um, like I say, yeah, he was giving the coach a massage. He was shouting abuse at the opposing players the whole time. You know, Really just like living a boy's own dream, honestly. It was like if a six-year-old had been told, like, what would you love to do when you grow up? And you're like, I want to be coached at the Raptors and win the games and hang out with the players. Yeah, I'm the scared, the I'm irony being <laughs> the irony being that he has tattoos of the player numbers of Warriors players on him, yeah. which is just such an um, odd well, move. Well, no, yeah, yeah. He also has a reputation for wearing just like the sports like, yeah, shirts of just, just like so many different. He's basically teams. fucking John Cena's gimmick circa the mid two thousands. He's a little bit of that, yeah. But to be fair, as a bloke from the six, you know his hometown team does mean a lot to him. That. Oh, I know it does because there was an amazing thing where they lost whatever game that was. They lost by like one point, and it kind of dragged the series out a bit longer. Right, and there's a shot of Drake walking out of the court, despondent and cursing, and just like looking like he's really upset. And it's like you're not one of the players. Yeah. <laughs> now, in fairness, there's an argument uh, put forth by Joshua Hughes, friend of the show, who's a Raptors fan himself, is in Toronto right now. And he was saying, well, you know, he is the, you kind of laugh at the global ambassador thing, but he is actually at a different level where he kind of gave the Raptors a bit of an identity because they're not the most storied team. Oh, they don't yeah. have like a deep history. He kind of, his super fandom has kind of united a lot of people behind him. So he does have a degree of oh, yeah, a stake in the game. Like and a, especially when, as you say, like global ambassador, like yeah. nobody in Ireland really knows who Kyle Lowry is. They know who Drake is, though. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it works in that sense. These two tracks he released... Yeah, as he's a, got music. He does music. Yeah, <laughs> quote, quote, unquote, celebration of their win. Uh, th- like, there's definitely an element to look at me about this whole thing. Oh, you think, do you? Yeah. He clearly had them good to go. Like, it, like before... Oh, they, they don't make any mention of the Raptors whatsoever. <laughs> sure, sure. No, they don't. Or, or the Warriors, for that matter. It's and, more Pusha T references. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and as well. I mean, that case. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's boil it down. Who's ever gone, I want to celebrate 
by going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so they were good to go. Uh, one of them, uh, people are saying, like, is pretty clearly a Scorpion offcut because it seems to bury the hatchet with Rick Ross, which obviously already happened quite a while yeah. ago. Um, b- which is mainly just frightening the idea that they left stuff off Scorpion. I know. <laughs> that wasn't everything they had. <laughs> it's actually quite good. The hook's not bad. There's a bit of conviction to it. Ross is always great as a feature. Like, yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of his actual work, but when he's a feature, he just brings it every time. I'm not having any praise for this at all. This is every Drake song, except it's two of them. Money in the Great. Oh, sorry, both, yeah. Uh, I think Amerta's a bit better. Like, the production's at least a bit interesting. There's something yeah. to it. And he has some bars, which he definitely didn't deliver on Scorpion. And I've got to be perfectly honest and say that, like, going back to views, I found... Of- just for the past few years, I found self-pitying Drake to be really, really kind of wearing. And I found self-aggrandizing Drake to be that bit more palatable. And yeah. obviously but this you know is what? going he, the self-aggrandizing he's, route. He's been, re- like, even when he's doing really well on a track like Roberta, and it's like, yeah, the self-aggrandizing is kind of working for me. I'm just reminded of the Pusha T this, and he's just... Sure. He's just like the kid pretending to be like he's in a gang and he's not really like the ho- that whole thing has just gone up and smoked that image. Mm. Um, and there's kind of like an inherent joylessness to Drake's music, isn't there? Like it's efficient. He's clearly talented, but it's just like these are going to go to number one and uh, it doesn't sound like he's having fun. Yeah, I was about to say, it doesn't really sound like no. he's enjoying it. No. Yeah. Well, that's the brand. Like, I mean, like, like Global Ambassador is absolutely like nailing it there. But like, he's like, not even wallowing in like his issues. He's just like imagine these he had a fucking issues. lost. Who knows what we would have got then? <laughs> For our final song of the week, uh, the words "smoldering," "sexy," "mysterious," "dangerous." Craig, what song is this? <laughs> Craig Fitzpatrick, um, Devendra Banhart is back. Um, he's got a new album coming out in September called Maw. And this is Cantori and Gakko. I fear humanity Well, you called me on the phone But you did I said Cantori and Gakko Shikata Ganai Yeah, so that's Devendra Banhart, isn't Who is it? Who is he? Um, he is, uh, he's, I think he's originally from Texas, which doesn't seem very Devendra-like. He was yeah. raised in Venezuela. Um, he kind of came to prominence uh, around the turn of the century, part of that kind of freak folk um, mm-hmm. whole movement that was kicking off. And yeah. he's like, I, I, I kind of dug him for a long time. He's got some great stuff. Um, fallen off a bit in recent years. And I think, to be honest, he's like he's kind of like that Oscar Wilde quote of just like the genius is in like his life is living rather than his art. Like he's this kind of really charismatic, like he's I don't like, know, like benevolent like a, Charles like Manson, like but like a GQ yeah. model. Do you I, know what I mean? I interviewed Chris Kane from We Are Scientists back in the Hot Press. Days I remember this. Yeah, quickie, I was gonna bring it up. I forget what the story was, but Chris Kane. I, I forget why he told me the story, but he told me that like a friend of his was in a bar in LA and his friend of his was a musician who he wouldn't name and he was like oh but you know him like, and he's like a cool dude and all that kind of jazz and he said that like he was chatting up this girl like this stunning looking woman in the bar and it was all going great and everything was about to just progress to the next level they're going to bail and in walked Devendra Banhart <laughs> and he said that in approximately five minutes the girl left with Devendra Banhart go steal your girl yeah. Like. so yeah he was like and Devendra probably didn't even realise yeah, he's like moral I mean? of the story like... do not introduce any girl ever to Devendra Banhart because he will take her away um, Maybe I'd, introduce him to his music though, because it's quite nice. I've never understood it. I don't understand this. It's so wavy and just like not really tangible. There's like a certain it's very whimsy. You. Yeah, there's certain <laughs> whimsy to his music that is like quite marmite, I think. Um, and this is like full kind of psychedelic British invasion. Like it's reaching for a kind of psychedelic Bob Dylan, and it ends up kind of being Donovan, um, which is nice. Like it's pleasant. It's enjoyable. It's kind of very low stakes music. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can remember being into Devendra Banhart like what, 14 years ago now. Yeah. I believe I saw him at, at 2005 Electric Picnic. I believe I talked to him through a fence at that event, what? in fact. Yeah, it was kind of. Were like, you trying to get through the fence? Devendra, Devendra. He's not, that charismatic. Not quite. We were just like, hey, dude. And he's like, hey. And just like wanders over for the chats because, like you say, he is like a cult leader. Um, <laughs> but, I mean,. It's a bit samey, I guess. And for, yeah. fourteen years later, you're kind of like, you know, he, he like not to sort of 
overstretch that analogy, but there is that sort of hint that, you know, maybe there is revelation within this music. Once you've kind of waited a decade and more for it, it's probably not going to come, is it? Yeah. Like, I think he announced himself really strongly and he's got some great stuff, but it's just, he was never quite that inspirational artist, I guess. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is grand and I'll probably check out the album. One artist who is particularly inspirational, has inspired mm-hmm. many, many people around the world, has inspired many, many records to be put out into the world and beloved by the masses, is of course the boss himself, Bruce Springsteen. He's back and he's gone all yeehaw country with Western stars. My veranda in the night Some lost sheep from Oklahoma Sips her mojito down at the whiskey bar Smiles and says she thinks she remembers me from that Commercial with a credit card Hell, these days are ain't no more Now there's just a That's Western Stars, the title track from Western Stars. Hmm. Bit of an old town road vibe to this one, including the uh, horse running free on the cover. What must Bruce Springsteen think with this Lil Nas X character flying around, <laughs> taking all of his 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 attention and <laughs> and, and his Billboard country I, chart? I, I love this. Like it's got <laughs> it's an not old that country. It's, it's got an old town road vibe, you know. After country music was invented back in February, <laughs> well, it certainly feels that way. Imagine getting Bruce instead of Billy Ray on the remix. That would have been great, <laughs> right? This is a thirteen-track record. It moves at a glacial pace. Uh, what do we think of it? <laughs> that's, that's, what that's do it. you think of it? Uh, okay, well, we did a listen guy before. Uh, remember those? Uh, we did a listen guy before with like Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Cullum spearheading it. You're a huge fan. Uh, I've always kind of had a bit of a peripheral relationship with Bruce Springsteen in that he never writes, never calls, and I've never <laughs> seen him live. I'm not ever going to throw on one of his albums. I like what I like. think he's got some great stuff. Respect the cult of personality about the man. Uh, he's clearly a bit of a living legend. Uh, people who love him fucking adore him. And this was like a nice breezy thing to throw on, but you're not going to find any bangers on here, lads. Yeah, I think this is a bit of a revival for his uh, creativity, to be honest. Like, I'm a big fan of the big boss man. Um, But the last decade or so, I think it's been a case of a lot of reissues. I know, yeah, the wrestler guys, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's dead, Craig. Put put some respect on the name. Not in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. But yeah, the last couple of records haven't really hit the heights. He's been kind of reissuing stuff. He's been doing his life thing. And I felt... It was probably around the time he did the Super Bowl and like crotch slid into the camera while talking about like dipping in like yeah. to the, the fucking with his tortillas and it felt like he was sliding into that kind of what I thought was an unfair caricature for years of what he was supposed to be and patriotism and all that jazz and maybe his uh, best creative days were behind him. But in recent times, um, he's written his autobiography. Um, he's done this Broadway show where he's kind of stripped back many of his classics and kind of opened up and he's done a lot of kind of... Um, I don't know, just like a lot of internal searching, I guess. Um, And I think he's found a bit of like a well of inspiration, particularly in the writing, um, because I think this is some of his best songwriting in a good while. Um, I think as an album, hangs really well together. And he's kind of looking outside himself um, and doing these kind of great character studies. And for the longest time, as I say, for the last decade or so, it's felt like, oh, it's Bruce doing another one of his character songs. These feel like real people, though. Uh, They feel like more well-rounded. And I think in general... Uh, the orchestral kind of accompaniments, and he is going for that early seventies pop, um, kind of countryish but kind of rock and rollish. Glenn Campbell, Glenn Campbell, ornate, just lush thing. I think for the most part it works. Sometimes it kind of goes into pastiche, but overall the songwriting is strong enough to. This feels like a real kind of revival. For me. Yeah, I think for the most part it does work. And you know, when I was kind of hearing people talk about the record before it came along, even earlier reviews, and you know, there's obviously a different sonic palette. Fine. But I felt as though people were kind of maybe just getting distracted by that yeah. and failing to acknowledge the fact that, like, number one, these are character studies of, like, the outposts of American life and these peripheral blue-collar workers. And it's like, that's Springsteen 101. Yeah. Like, that's what he started <laughs> Which is a class doing. you teach, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's what he's done at his best in, in like, Norway. <laughs> it fits his MO as long as you don't, just get too drawn on the fact that oh there's strings now yeah and the other thing is exactly what you said craig is that 
you know, it comes after the autobiography and all the sort of reflection and revelation that comes with that. It comes after the Broadway show mm. where he stripped these songs back. And I think that's why this album, like, why it works, because it, it fits him like a glove. Yeah. It's like this was the right time to make a record like this. Um, pastiche, I do agree. There's a song on here called There Goes My Miracle. Oh, and yeah, it, that is a dud. It's yeah. not just because of the word itself, right? This is Father Dick Burns' The Miracle Is Mine yeah. down to the moment where the curtain rises <laughs> and the orchestra is there and Ted's face drops like. Yeah. It's, it's not great. It doesn't work when he's belting it out over these yeah, kind and of that things. is a Sleepy Joe's Cafe. It, like, that, oh my God. It sounds like a jingle. It, like, it sounds like an ad. It sounds like Vince Vega's favourite song. Yeah. Like, it's just like, ugh, just this weird kind of, I don't know, meeting of country and rock and roll at the Mexican border of just cheesiness. Yeah, but know. a lot, but but so much of this album is, as I say, like the just, rest is great though. Yeah, they're just kind of like jobbing, no, keep going, jobbing actors and like ferry drivers and stunt men. And yeah, like, yeah. Um, that's kind of what I got from the entire thing. <laughs> like, I just couldn't connect to it. I just was like, this is really boring and it's taking forever. And oh my god, it's only six tracks in. Are you serious? Like, it's got moments. The last track's nice. I don't know. I just and I'm seeing people describe this as like his most radical reinvention, and I'm like, what? It's well, definitely that's what I'm not. Saying. People are just getting distracted by the strings. What, what they Genuinely, that's, that's all that's happening. Here. I know. I know. It is ludicrous. Look, I I think though, like people people tend to get a bit spun out almost when Springsteen goes solo at the yeah. best of times. I think they're so used to the E Street Band and that sort of fire and fury that they provide that anything else, and they're like. What the hell is this? Of course, in reality, if you're talking about a, a solo songwriter, mm. chances are that what we're hearing here is exactly what he brings to the E Street Band. Yeah. It just so happens that you stick like Max Weinberg behind the kit, have like fucking four rhythm guitarists. You just get it bulked up. Yeah, and I think like he's kind of come out in front of like he hasn't really talked about this album at all. But in interviews, he said, "Don't worry, there's an E Street band coming. Like we're recording it in the autumn." So he's just yeah. like trying not to panic uh, the faithful. Yeah. But he was talking about how um, he hadn't written anything for the E Street band in like seven years. Like then I wrote all these songs in the space of a month. So we'll just do that record. So like he's calling the shots the whole time. Uh, you can imagine the E Street band on a lot of these songs. As I say, the orchestral stuff isn't really inventive enough to. It never takes the spotlight. What it does is it it's lends nice, some colour. It's nice. And what I th- the job the I think it part. does is, without it, these songs would be stripped back kind of Nebraska-style songs, which uh. would, were, was just like a classic album of just desolation and um, the you know facade of the American dream. This is, there's a lot of heartache in this and there's a lot of kind of dead ends, but there's a hopefulness too. And I think that the strings give a kind of warmth to a lot of what he's saying and yeah. some of the kind of grimmer details. And I think it just lends that kind of tonal balance. So I, I, I think that's why he went for that move. Not anti-strings at all. They're lovely. However, I thought this was way too clean. I thought everything sounded really polished, really safe, really warm in beige room yeah. temperature. I was begging for like a scratchy acoustic guitar that genuinely sounded like it was recorded with one microphone or had even some kind of fucking production yeah. on it that I think that's like he's been guilty of that edged it up for, a bit or something. for years or even with the E Street really... Band on records yeah but I, I liked it on here to be perfectly honest I felt it felt like a kind of a because that's what the sound he's going for yeah that's kind of a early sun, 70s thing. sunny wash or something like yeah. that I don't know I, I, I don't know it feels to me like you Sorry, Sonny Wash sounds like a player that like West Ham would have signed in the seventies or something, like, <laughs> like, and he's brilliant. Like you know, he like, plays plays for one season and is a cult hero that's still talked about today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sonny Wash would have banged that into the top corner. I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's grand. It's nice. It's pleasant. You can throw it on and you can drift out. But that's not what I want from an album, is it? Yeah. No, I must say. I'll, Although I'll... I will counter all that by saying that I think the fact that I don't have a reverence for Bruce Springsteen. I don't throw on his tunes. I'm an admirer rather than a fan. Yeah. And that clearly would go against me on this, which is what, like his fucking, I don't even want to guess what number record this is. 19th studio, okay. yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, you may be onto something there, not only because, obviously, I'm coming at it from the other angle as a big Bruce Springsteen fan, but what I was going to say is that when you talked about Nebraska and records like that, this almost feels like, you know, the album that obviously is being made, you know, kind of what a, 40, yeah. 37 years later, I think, if yeah. that's correct. Um, yeah, yeah. But basically, this is the album 
where it's like, actually, it all turned out all right. You know, like like we made it through. Not great, and it, uh, but, yeah, but like, we're yeah, still alive. Yeah, we made <laughs> yeah. it through, like, you know, and it, like it was a rocky road, but, you know, and I we think still it, have each I, other and we're looking back and blah, blah, blah. You I know? Think and for, I think that's yeah. why it has that hopefulness and that optimism in it. I think for all his kind of grandiosity and like the, you know, the I was jam, blah, blah, E Street Band thing, I think actually a lot of the subtlety of his writing sometimes goes missed. Like there's, yeah. there's just some, it's kind of more what he doesn't say in the, the lyrics of a lot of this stuff and it's just he gets like the kind of measure of just where these characters are going and everything they've missed out and the celebrations are really about like fleeting moments that are kind of like miniature triumphs and otherwise kind of bland lives and I think he's really good at capturing that and he, he does it better here than he has in a good number of years so yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it not bad for 69 <laughs> it's not a, it's not a 9 it's a 6 I would go eight for this. Yeah, it's an eight for me. I think it's a it's a really good record. Very, very good. What else has been taking your fancy, Dave? Uh, I went back to the well to my old boys converge, and I <laughs> stuck on their most recent album uh, because I was looking for a review. I wrote the last thing I wrote for Drowned Sound uh, was that before I kind of left that fold. And it's a weird thing. It's going to sound really weird, but like, do you ever like go back and read read over something that you've, that you've written? And maybe two years have passed, whatever. Yeah. And then you reread it and you go, wait a minute. This is really fucking good. Yeah. I'm it, not bad. It's happened on occasion <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah. The, we, no, the far weirder one is when you go back and read something that you wrote in a really busy period. And you're just like, this took me half an hour. How was I so in the zone yeah. that some of these yeah. phrases those used to just fall just, out? Like, yeah, being absolutely crammed and actually... Yeah. Getting... yeah, I've done that for sure. I've had those moments where I've kind of gone, actually, you know what, you're okay, Dave. You're not, you're not too bad. And then I decided, you know what, I'll listen to the fucking album. Why, why not? Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Obviously, <laughs> Converge, I'm a big fan. Uh, the title track in particular, I think, is one of the best tracks they've ever done. And this week, in which I've been kind of toing and froing, I would say, mentally... It's been kind of a bit of a grounding track for me. So there you go. And I'm, I'm nice. still listening to that for those I love album and more to come on that one. That's by incredible, the way. by the way. You've I just checked it, it out today. Okay. And it's like, it's brilliant. That's so almost like hard to bear. Like, it's just so intense. So I'll have to go back to it. But first listen, I was like, my God. Yeah, more to come on that one. Uh, I have been listening to an album by uh, social media celebrity, uh, Carlo Maliocco. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone deserved to go viral. Yeah. Fantastic uh, stuff. For people that don't know, Carlo tweeted about The Simpsons and um, now he's famous. <laughs> yeah, like 25,000 retweets or something <laughs> ludicrous like that. Uh, blowing up he is, but uh, it happened also like six days after he posted his album Calendar. Yeah. Uh, he's a canny operator. Heard don't a lot of the material <laughs> individually before, but it is really a beautiful listen. And I'm not just saying that because he's our mate. Yeah, um, opening dude. track mark map in particular I love and uh, yeah well worth checking out uh, I've been listening to Go Link's new album uh, Diaspora we've talked about Go Link before he's a great rapper um, really interesting mix of influences on this kind of African influenced and um, definitely check it out it's kind of lives up to the hype this episode of No Encore, much like the Jeremy Kennedy one that I forgot to credit properly, was engineered by our sonic architect Eve Murray. Shouts to Eve for putting together the package on the Dermot Kennedy edit, and shouts to Dahi for being there on the day of the recording and making it sound so slick in the first place. Exit music is coming from an upcoming interview that we'll be having quite soon on the show. Bantam, he's back, he's prolific at the moment, and he's teamed up with an all-star cast on this track, along with former guests of the show God Knows and Farah L. And Ben Bix, the song is called Strongest Thing, and it's a melting pot of sounds. It's got like everything that you'd want from a Bantam track, kind of hazy, inventive guitar lines, uh, tremendous spirit of collaboration, and his own signature kind of style. And I should note again for the thousandth time, because we still get asked it a lot, and I probably should say it in every single episode, our intro music... He does our show. intro music, yeah. <laughs> Move by Bantam is our intro music for the and show. And it's great. And uh, we'll be discussing that when we have him on the show very, very soon. So my name is... Hang on, before I do that, I I probably should actually address it now. Craig, thanks very much for a great episode. <laughs> my name is David William Hanrady. I love you, Cullum. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And this is Bantam. God knows. Farah L and Ben Bix with Strongest Thing. Third breakdown this week, I'm not talking about the Yaris I know you're embarrassed Fate pen, but only when nine hits Night shift, back to the cigarette regrets Relieve the stress 
Yes, yes, I digress. Got a shirt full of pants, cause I'm running from the bands when it's all too much to carry. Life without relief is Freddie and Jason. Too scary. Even in the elevator, I still take the stairs. Headphones, no music is the new self-care. I gotta testify. You're a safer menu with the twisty fries. Fanta on J Huss, no ice. Car on Terminator, one eye. Man, I'm petrified when the Lord drives by. Praise God, it's an ambulance. My gosh, do I hate this dance. See Jeff Ennis, I'm trouble moves from person to person. I'm broke adjacent. Even when the rent's true, it's always there. Just a little late. Like the three or four bus, maybe three or four months. Underperformance, network is nonsense. That is the reason. Before I can finish, a pause. I can't lie, man, I'm struggling Non-stop juggling, belly stops bubbling Slap on the wrist, nothing too threatening Cause I'm in too deep, Sound 41 Today I missed you, not being funny but silly to be onesie when life is lousy Seeking solace from the cave of Adullam, while staying away from Omigo the Gollum You kidding me? I'm a big kidney, free me from my vices, I'll give you a kidney I even wear my best smile when I go on trips, no vacation, what are you chasing? More importantly, what's chasing you? Car dashboard with all of the lights on Huddled up with my muddled up, noggin Huddled up with my bottled up emotions Smutting up, better button up at functions I'm a pro when keeping up appearances I could have been higher since I could have been richer Podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. At Total Wine and More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rose. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and More. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.